Well, on behalf of the 14 adults, and I think 19 teenagers, um, I think that was our group, um, let me say thank you uh, for sending our team to Croatia. I, I really do mean this when I say that it is a, it's a blessing to, to be a part of a church family like Southside who not only supports the work in Croatia, but who wants to send its people to participate in the work. Uh, you know, if you are visiting and kind of checking us out, I want you to know that. That's, that may, that's very, very special. It's very unique. Um, and, man, what a blessing it is uh, to be a part of a church family that does that. And uh, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the team that went. And we bring welcome and love uh, from Tom and Sandra Sibley. Uh, if you don't know who that is, uh, Tom was actually me several years ago. He was in this position. He was in my position here at Southside back in the day. And uh, Tom and his wife, Sandra, left Lexington and moved to Croatia uh, a little over 20 years ago now. And uh, he went there initially to be the director of a Bible institute in the capital city of Zagreb. Um, A couple of years ago, he retired from that position Uh, And they uh, continue to pour themselves into the local church there where Tom serves as an elder. Uh, But here in the recent year, I think that both of them would say that it's perhaps the busiest season of their lives um, as they are ministering to refugee families uh, there in Croatia. Croatia has become a hotbed for refugee ministry, people who have been displaced who've had to leave their countries not only because of war, but because of persecution. Uh, And Tom and Sandra uh, have been working around the clock to care for these families. Um, Our teens, uh, Jeremy and our interns, are going to share with you next week about uh, our teens. Our teens participated all week in a youth camp Uh, And they're going to share some of uh, the blessings of that week with you next week. But our adult team that went, some of the moms and dads that went on the trip, stayed back uh, and spent the entire week working and serving with Tom and Sandra as they loved on and encouraged these families from the Ukraine and from Russia, from Syria, from Egypt, from Palestine, and from Iran. Uh, It was funny. We had been with them almost the entire week when one of our team members asked if we were going to meet any Croatians. Um, And so we did, finally. Uh, We did. uh, On last Sunday, we worshiped uh, with the Croatian church on Sunday morning where Tom serves as an elder. I I was blessed with the opportunity to preach uh, that morning at the Church of Christ um, that meets there at the Bible Institute in Zagreb. And then that evening, I also preached for this Nazarene church. So there's a Nazarene church uh, that Tom and Sandra and Steve have become very familiar with. Um, And uh, because of their outreach to the refugees, that church has grown and needed a place uh, to meet. And so it also meets at the Bible Institute. And so it meets at the Bible Institute on Sunday night. 
And so many of those families that we had the opportunity to serve during the week, uh, we were able to worship with them on Sunday night. Um, and so in, span, in the span of less than a week, our, our team interacted with families from seven uh, different nations. One day, uh, we were on a toll road, and we had a miscommunication at the toll booth. And uh, I was driving, and you had to pay in cash at this particular toll booth, and I was trying to pay with a card Uh, And the lady that was working the toll booth was Croatian, and she was speaking in Croatian. And so we just had trouble communicating. Finally, we got it, and I understood that I was supposed to give her cash. And as I gave her the cash, this is what came out of my mouth. I handed her the cash, and I said, si bueno. (laughs) Now, I'm not exactly sure why that came out. I don't know if I was speaking in tongues. I was definitely speaking in a tongue. That wasn't English or Croatian. Uh, but, of course, all the adults in the van got a big kick out of it. I don't know. I, I was just trying to add Spanish to all the other nationalities uh, that we were working with that day. But it was a special trip. Um, it's truly a unique season of ministry for the Sibleys. And I, I wanted you to know... Um, that God is using our friends there to do a very special work. And at 80 and 78, they are young and still have plenty in the tank. And so please remember them uh, in your prayers. In our text today, here in Acts chapter 3, uh, verses 17 through 26, if you haven't already opened up your Bibles, please open them up there. Peter reminds us, of an important promise that God made in Genesis chapter 12. It's in verse 25. God said to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations, every nationality, all the families of earth will be blessed. That's the promise that God made to Abraham. So Tom and Sandra are participants in this promise as they bless the nations in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, the promise of God from the very beginning is to bless. And we have to read the Old Testament narrative in light of this promise. Everything that God has done since Genesis 12 is with this promise to bless in mind. In verse 26, Peter says, when God raised up his servant Jesus, when he sent us his one and only son, when Jesus came onto the scene, he sent him first to you, the Jews, what? To bless you. To bless you. You see, this is the divine motivation. Jesus was sent to bless you, not to condemn you. He was sent to bless. How? What's this blessing look like? What form is the blessing going to take? Is he 
Is he going to throw a big party for us? Is he going to bake a big cake? How is the servant that God raised up to bless us? Look at verse 26. Peter says, he sent him to bless you. Now pay attention. By turning each of you from your wicked ways. And so here's the title of my lesson today. The Blessings of Repentance. The Blessings of Repentance. You know, repentance gets a bad rap. Unfortunately, it carries with it quite a negative connotation. Rightfully so, in most cases. You know, I I recently took the boys... Uh, to Cincinnati to watch the Braves and the Reds, and there was a street preacher with his megaphone, and he was yelling at everyone to repent. Well, normally, everything else to be considered, people don't want to hear about repentance, just typically, normally, let alone from a stranger in a megaphone while they're waiting to get into a ball game. Nobody wants to be told that they have to change, even in the best circumstances. So it's important that you see this this morning. In his sermon, in Acts chapter 3, Peter describes repentance as a blessing. Jesus has been sent to bless us. How? By turning each one of us from our wicked ways. The promise given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 was that it would be through one of Abraham's offspring that all nations on earth will be blessed. And we know Jesus to be this offspring who has been sent to bless us. And the way Peter says that he blesses us is by turning each one of us from our wicked ways. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's talk context just for a second. Theologically, we get that it is our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. We sang about that this morning. We get it. My sin nailed Jesus to the cross. Your sin nailed Jesus to the cross, right? We get it. We understand that theologically. But Peter, contextually, is speaking this sermon to the people in Jerusalem who literally nailed Jesus to the cross. They were there giving their consent. They were there yelling, release Barabbas. In verses 13 through 15, Peter says, it is you who handed him over to be killed, literally, not theologically, or it's, it's you, you the ones who did it. 
And then even after Pilate had decided to let him go, you didn't take the way out. Instead, you literally disowned him. You had him murdered and asked for a murderer to be released. This audience that Peter is speaking to in Jerusalem, literally, he says, killed the author of life. Yet even to them, to those who literally nailed Jesus to the cross, Peter offers the blessing of repentance. You see, if the blessings of repentance can be offered to the ones who literally nailed him to the cross, then we can know with certainty that it's also offered to us whose sins nailed him there. Listen, I don't care what you have done or how many times you've done it. God extends the blessings of repentance to you. Let's pick up here uh, in our text this morning with verse 17. Peter begins here by saying, Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, by doing this. Now, Just because Peter says that they acted in ignorance, he's not letting them off the hook. In this case, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is just ignorance. And and ignorance is never an excuse. I didn't know is, is not an excuse. In a court of law, we are still held responsible for laws that are broken in ignorance. But what Peter's saying here is that they didn't fully realize what they were doing. Oh, they, they knew full well they were murdering Jesus. Oh, they knew full well that they were murdering an innocent man. In fact, even, even Pilate found nothing wrong with him. But what they did not fully understand was that they were murdering their Messiah, Because if they had known that, if they had known that Jesus was their Messiah, they would have never killed him. So Peter goes on to say in verse 18 that God uses their ignorance to fulfill what had been foretold through all the prophets, that the Christ must suffer. All the prophets, Peter says. It's a phrase that he repeats three times in this short sermon. It's a point of emphasis for him. He wanted the audience to know, just like Jesus wanted the men on the road to Emmaus to know, that all the Scripture and all the prophets point to him. Peter wanted them to know that all the prophets spoke about Jesus, that all the prophets pointed to the cross, to the suffering of the Christ, If you read the prophets, you can't miss it. Now, this definitely brings to mind the prophet Isaiah, for me, and his writings in chapters 52 and 53 about the suffering servant. But Peter says all the prophets, from Moses to Samuel, Abraham, 
point to the cross and the sufferings of the Christ. And God used their ignorance to fulfill the words of all the prophets. I love what John Stott writes about this. He wrote, although they did not know what they were doing, God knew exactly what he was doing. Isaiah 53, 5 comes to mind. There the prophet writes, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we have been healed. And so, through the ignorance of the people, God was able to fulfill what had been foretold through all the prophets that the Christ must suffer. That on the cross, he would take on the punishment and the penalty of all sin. Verse 19. So, repent then and turn to God. Look, our only response when presented with the sufferings of Christ on the cross is to repent. Do you see that? When presented with the sufferings of the Messiah on the cross, our only response to that news is to repent. Literally, repentance just means to turn. And so, you know, you can read Peter's command here in verse 19 as turn then and turn to God. You see, what Peter's commanding here is a double turn. This is a double imperative. There are back-to-back commands to turn to both turn from our former ways and turn towards Christ in his ways. You see that, how it's a double turn? It's a turning from and a turning towards. And both turnings must occur. Now, I've met people who have made one turn without making the other turn. People who will turn from their former ways, but who will never fully turn to the ways of Christ. Or people who will turn to God, but who will never fully turn from their former ways. But this is a double turn. It's a turning fully from and a turning fully towards. And it's our only response to the cross. Repent then and turn to God. Ah, but no one wants to hear about repentance. No one wants to change. Change is hard. Especially if repentance is a double turn. Right? Really, that's, that sounds like it'd be twice as hard, right? 
And the command to repent is not just a one-time deal. It's not just a one-time transaction. Repentance is for a lifetime. Repentance is a lifestyle of turning from and turning towards. It's choosing every day to turn from the ways of sin, my former ways, the old condition, and turning towards God, Christ, and his ways, my new position that I have in Christ. I don't know. So not only is it a double command, but now I'm telling you it's for a lifetime. I'm not a very good salesman. But what if I told you that repentance is a blessing? That it's a blessing. What if I told you that when you tell someone to repent, you're actually blessing them? This is so good, you guys. Verses 19 through 20, Peter shares with us the three blessings of repentance. And believe it or not, they all start with the letter R. Sometimes it just happens that way. It's amazing. Um, But this is so good. This is so good. The blessings of repentance. Look, we can talk about, I I could get up here and preach about repentance every Sunday because I'm serious, it's for a lifetime. I'm sorry if it's ever been presented to you as something that just happens once right before you're baptized. Repentance, for the follower of Jesus Christ, repentance is something we sign up to for life. It's a commitment. It's, a, it's like a, it's a stance where we're, because every day we have to turn away from our old life and turn towards God. That's something we got to do every moment. And so repentance is always a relevant topic. And I'm just so excited to share with you today as a blessing. It's a blessing. Three blessings of repentance. Blessing number one, the first blessing of repentance is removal. Removal. This is in verse 19. Peter says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Isn't that good? And don't we all want that? Removed, he says. As far as the east is from the west. One commentary, William Barclay, for those of you who know commentary, he points out uh, that ancient writing on papyrus in the ink had no acid in it. Therefore, it didn't bite into the papyrus like modern ink, but it simply just lay on top of it So to erase the ink off the papyrus, all one had to do was take a wet sponge and you could just wipe it off like it was never there. Now, even today, if I were to use a pencil and paper 
right? And then I, I, I needed to erase it, right? If you erase it, you can still see the indentations where the pencil was on the paper. You can usually still see kind of part, like kind of what you wrote. I remember when I was in elementary school, I was one of those kids that erased so much. I, like, would erase big holes in my paper, right? I'd be like, I need a new paper. I just, you know, erased a huge hole in this paper trying to. And, but this, but the, the language that's used here is this idea of something being wiped away, removed, as if it never had been there. It was never there. No stain, no indentation, no ill effect, like it was never there, like it never existed. See, the first blessing of repentance is our slate is wiped clean. Our sins are completely removed. That's good news, and that's the first blessing of repentance is removal. The second blessing of repentance is refreshment. Refreshment. Verse 19 again. Repent then and turn to God so that times of refreshing may come to you from the Lord. How many of you need a time of refreshment? According to all the prophets, Peter says, God promises that times of refreshment and relief and rest will come as a result of your repentance. That's a promise. It makes me think of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 when he said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, all of you who are weighed down by your failures, your guilt, burdened by your sin, come to me, turn to me, and I will give you rest, right, for your souls. Repentance blesses us with refreshment because when we turn away from our sins and turn towards Christ, our souls find relief from the burden of sin. Our souls find relief from the bondage of sin. It's a blessing of repentance. Times of refreshment. You know, at Pentecost, Peter says to the crowd there at Pentecost to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the blessing of repentance is not just the removal of our sins, but we receive the refreshment of the Holy Spirit. That's a wonderful way to think about the Holy Spirit. It's one of the roles the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is to bring refreshment to our souls. 
This is how the Old Testament prophets talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3, Isaiah writes, It will be like water being poured out onto thirsty land. It will be like streams of water pouring into dry ground when I pour out my spirit on them. Second blessing of repentance is refreshment. Refreshment. The third blessing in verses 20 and 21 of repentance is restoration. It's restoration. Peter writes, repent then and turn to God. Verse 20, that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. This is good. Listen to this. Christ remains in heaven. God's final restoration plans are on hold Waiting for our repentance. The restoration of all things promised by all the prophets of old. The time when all things will be made new. That time will come following our repentance. That's what Peter says here. God longs to restore everything. He longs for the new heaven and the new earth. And when Jesus returns, there will be a great restoration of all things. Everything will be put right finally. This is a promise. It's going to happen. I want it to happen today. The restoration of all things, sign me up. Let's start it today. Let's do it now. Yet, Peter reminds us in 2 Peter chapter 3 that the Lord is not slow in keeping this promise of restoration. But he's patient. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Dear ones, when Jesus returns, if you have not turned from your sin in your former ways, and turn to God in the ways of Christ, you will perish. But the final blessing of repentance is the restoration of all things. Everything will be made new. And don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of the restoration of all things? 
of every wrong being made right, the new heaven and earth. Do you want to be a part of that? Peter says, repent. Repent then. Turn to God. God wants you to be a part of that. Peter tells us that God doesn't want God doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to come to repentance. The blessings of repentance, removal, refreshment, and restoration. When put this way, why wouldn't you want to repent? Repent then and turn to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message of repentance today. I I just was so reminded of the relevance of repentance. (laughs) Uh, And I pray, as Gregory prayed earlier, just that some part of your living word, your Holy Spirit will impress upon our hearts. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This morning, invitation is to repent. Um, if you're here today and you've not, you've, you've, you've never taken that first step right, to begin that lifetime commitment of repentance. That's, that's, that's part of our relationship. That's what our relationship with God looks like. If you've never taken that first step of repentance today and put Christ on in baptism, then, boy, we'd love for you to be a part of that today, to turn from your former ways, to turn from sin, and to turn to Christ. Your sins will be completely removed as if they never existed, as if they never happened. You will receive refreshment for your souls as he fills you with his Holy Spirit and empowers you to live a life of holiness and a life without sin. And you will be part of the restoration of all things. What a day that will be. Whatever your need might be, let's stand together and sing.